Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old loan officer from California. I started this podcast back in April 2020. Got furloughed from my job for about three months. And during those three months, I was very honest with myself. I was like, we can either start emotionally eating. We can start suppressing these feelings of not feeling worthy because you've lost this thing that you attach so much of your identity to. Or we could start that podcast that you've always been wanting to start. So I decided to go with that second option and I'm so glad I did. I've interviewed over 130 people since then. It's been incredible. I've got to interview music artists and seven-figure entrepreneurs and just all these incredible people with different stories and different ways of how they got to where they are and just hearing about their journey, hearing about their shit show moments because we all have shit show moments and just learning how to navigate them better and learning how to learn from them and take them and create something magical out of them. And I'm so glad that I get to interview all these incredible people and I am such a big believer that you can radically change your life in a year. You can just radically change your circumstances, where you're at. And I remember being 19 and just trying to get a job and applying to like, I was applying to Ross and like a smoothie bar and like all these places wouldn't take me. And I was like, so offended. I was like, why is no one taking me? And then I finally passed my NMLS test. And then I got a job with a major mortgage company. And I was like, oh, that's why they didn't take me. Cause I was meant to go down and get this job instead of that job. And I went from being 19 with $0 in my bank account and just being so stressed about money and so stressed about like is it gonna come into my life do I what am I gonna do about this to being 20 year old with over 60 grand in savings and I think one of the big changes that I made between those two was even when I had zero in the savings account I still believed that I was abundant I still believed that money was gonna flow into my life I still believed in something that I couldn't see at the time because I knew it was just a matter of time before it was gonna come so I'm such a huge believer and you can radically change your scenario you can step into that next version of you and that next version of you that higher self version of you she's not that far away as you think i think she's just there's just garbage in the way and it's just undercovering that garbage that's in the way of you getting to her and just stepping into that and the next version of you with the next level of results it's something i'm super passionate about and i hope from this podcast that you get to hear these stories and relate with these people and just relate with like not necessarily like just reconnecting to that path of what you want to do and reconnecting to that higher version of you and what you wanted to be when you were younger and what lights you up and what brings you joy so i'm so excited for you guys to hear these episodes would love to connect with you on instagram my instagram's the shit show my 20s dm me and love to have a conversation and feel free to share this with someone you know will love it and you can also leave a review on itunes i would love that Today's guest is Brimstone. I loved chatting with him. Brimstone has had a successful and rewarding career, spanning well over four decades, participating in numerous entertainment fields, boasting a list of titles, including professional wrestler, radio host, professional podcaster, actor, voice actor, author, musician, comic book game hero, and so much more. He's been called a renaissance man by many, but more accurately described as well 
as a seasoned entertainer and serial entertainment entrepreneur. We go into so many incredible things in this interview from why he wanted to get into the entertainment industry, what mindset it takes to actually be in the entertainment industry, what inspired him to start Grindhouse Radio, how he was pitching Grindhouse Radio and no one wanted it, but he did not take no for an answer. And because he did not take no for an answer, Grindhouse Radio now gets anywhere from three and a half to four million listens a week. We go into what it's like to be in the public eye, how to he met his wife, and so much more. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Brimstone, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'd love to start. Tell me about your 20s. Feel free to include any shit show moments we might resonate with. Let's start there. Well, first and foremost, I want to say thank you, Sophia. Finally, Brimstone has made it to the shit show of my 20s. It is unbelievable to be here. You are such a shining bright light on, on such a crazy day. So thank you for having me. The, the shit show of my 20s. You want me to go back that far? Yeah. I'm 46 now. I got to go back to my 20s. Man, oh, man, oh, man. What kind of stories do you want? That's the question. Do you want, you know... It really depends. I could go so many different places with this. You know, what do you want? Embarrassing things. Um, what do you call it? Experiences. You tell me. Yeah. So I want to hear about like the pivotal points of your 20s. So anything pivotal, anything that really stands out for you, anything that really helped you get into the path you're in now. Also any like big shit show moments. So anything that was like a big learning moment for you or something that kind of flipped your perspective or kind of woke you up and kind of in a wake up call sense as well. Okay. Well, okay. So when I, when I was heading into college, you know, I knew that I wanted to do music. I knew I wanted to be an entertainer and, you know, I I figured I'm going to do whatever I possibly could to do that. And uh, so I went to school for music and went to college for it. And uh, I was, I was a young guy. And at the time I was young and good looking. So now I'm (laughs) old and ugly that, but back then I was young and good looking and uh, I played the drum. So, you know, guys in their twenties, you know, they like to, uh, you know, girls in their 20s. So rather than spending my time learning and, and you know, doing well in school, we spent a hell of a lot of money for me to be chasing skirts. And as awful as that sounds, it was, it was uh, quite a shit show, to be honest with, because I spent more time doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, the things that I should have been doing. It, it taught me a lot. It taught me, you know, one, you don't, pardon my French, you don't shit where you eat. And two, that, you know, it's important to, to concentrate on your education when you have that opportunity for that, to, to, to experience that education. Simply because, you know, later on in life, obviously, you know, as I, as I went along, and, I, and I, I'll go backwards, but as I went along, you know, there's certain moments in time where I, I was saying to myself, you know, I wish I would have finished school because I would have maybe known this or I would have made me known that, you know, or if I would have just paid attention in this, maybe I would have done a little bit better here. But to be honest, I mean, I'm, I'm super thrilled with where I am in life right now. And I've made my own way and I've done it, you know, on my own. And now the other thing that I learned is that I know what I want, you know what I mean? In terms of a relationship. So yeah, I was a little crazy. I was a little wild. I was awful. So you want to hear the shit show moment. So what do you call it? I was dating this girl for quite some time and, uh, and I wasn't, I was a nice guy, but I, I guess I, when I got to college, it was not the same. I wound up, I was dating this, this girl and uh, I did, I loved the girl a lot, but she was a couple of years younger than me. 
And, you know, I, I was in a uh, situation where I'd gone to a private school and then back to a public school for a while. And it just wasn't, you know, I wasn't really in any kind of element where I was meeting the girls that might interest me, you know, and uh, I did in other places, but just not in on a regular basis. When I was in the music wing at college, I had all these gorgeous girls, the singers, the, uh, the, the pianists and, you know, you name it and they, they did it. And, and I, I kind of was a little taken with that and there was a lot of interest in me. So, you know, I'd be the guy to be out singing with the girls, you know, and, and, and hanging out. And I pretty much had my opportunity with a lot of these girls and, you know, in a lot of different places in, even within the campus, you know what I mean? So it was, but I was still dating this other girl and, and I felt bad because I didn't, because my parents are a divorced parent, uh, it's a divorced home. So, you know, I felt bad when I was doing it because she was a nice girl, but I had been dating her for a long time and I wanted to experience, you know, uh, life, to be completely honest. And it's a good thing I did because, you know, what happened was is I, I learned, you know, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is, you know, this is the way you should act. This is the way you shouldn't act. You know, I got it all out of my system before I started, you know, touring, doing, you know, in the pro wrestling career, but I was doing it when I was in the music career. So I wound up breaking up with this, with this girl and I was kind of hanging out with this, the real shit show moment. So I was hanging out with these two girls who I was, I, I kind of, I, I kind of really was into these two girls. I'm not going to name the names, but one was a brunette and one was a blonde. And I'm more into brunettes than I am blonde. So, but they're both gorgeous girls, sweethearts, and uh, they were both vocal majors. And I was sitting in a place that they call the Brick Cafe at the college I went to is a, a community college, Nassau Community College at the Brick Cafe. And that's where everybody kind of hung out, you know, especially um, outside of the music wing, you know, we hung out under the trees and then any, any time, any other time than that, you'd find us in the cafe, you know, and so I was sitting in there with a couple of friends at one point, and I've see, been seeing both these girls, and I've been intimate with both these girls, and I'm facing this way, and the other person I was with was facing this way, and both the girls walked in at the same time together, and the other guy, you know, who knew I was involved, saw me with, you know, saw both of them and said, I gotta go, and so he ditched me. I had no idea what was going on. They came in one on both side, uh, one on each side of me. And, um, you know, the two of them are sitting there and I'm going, oh man, I'm in for it. I'm done. You know, this is going to be an issue. And then all of a sudden they, they started messing with me and I deserved it. I did deserve it. And they both put their hands on each of my, my, uh, legs and, and, you know, were, were making their way wherever they were making their way. And, you know, (laughs) And and both of them started, you know, sitting and speaking into each ear and they well, they played it well. They really did. And they basically were saying, you either had to pick one or the other. That's it. You know, make a choice. And that, you know, and we're cool with it, whichever way you're going to go. But you need to make a choice. You can't still you can't be both of us. So I got caught. I got caught and I got caught big time. And um, I wound up, you know, picking the, the one girl. I hate to say picking, but. We, you know, I wound up spending more time with the other girl and that wound up not working out anyway. And, but regardless, it is what it is. Meanwhile, I found out the blonde had a boyfriend. I found that out afterwards. How crazy is that? You had nerve, <laughs> you have nerve telling me anything. But anyway, but that, that you know, kind of grounded me a little bit. I deserved it. And, you know, throughout the years after that, you know, especially in the music scene, I had spent a lot of time out with, with, with lots of crazy people in general, men and women. And, you know... I I have seen many things, you know, when you're out um, and you're touring and, you know, you, you, you see many things, 
the drinking, the drugs, the sex, the, you know what I mean? The, the pure insanity of, of some people. And I learned from that early, early twenties. I learned from that. There's no way I'm doing drugs. I'm not, I'm not doing drugs. I'm, if I'm going to drink, I'm going to drink to minimal. You know what I mean? I'll, you know, sip a drink or, or maybe have, you know, like a shot, you know, and that's it. And then be cut off because I'm seeing what all these people are doing. And I'm also seeing people come, you know, turning around and, and either getting girls pregnant uh, because they weren't being safe or they were catching diseases, which don't nobody want to catch a disease and get those shots, you know? So there was, there was a lot that I learned, you know, especially in my early twenties where it came down to, you know, sex and rock and roll, you know what I mean? Like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, I guess you'd say. So, you know, for me, it, it was, it was very pivotal because that set the tone for the rest of my career. You know, I make sure especially when I'm out, you know, yes, I'm social. Yes. I'll be out with people. No, I do not cheat on my wife. No, I, I'm not interested in other women at this point. You know, like I'm with my wife and I'm happy I'm with her just under 20 years. And I, I don't drink. I guess I know other things can happen around you and you can cause things that the things that happen when you're drinking and you're out of control drinking. I, I could tell certain stories that I, I really can't because it, it, it has to do with other people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that it's, un, it would be unfair of me to, to, you know, to tell those stories uh, on air, at least I've seen people ruin their entire careers from drinking too much, doing drugs and getting involved with the wrong people. So being very diligent, you know, with the stuff that I learned from my, my youth has helped me excel in my career. And there've been a lot of times, there've been a lot of times over the years and I'm older, I've gained weight. You know what I mean? I'm not as pretty as I was, but I still, I, you know, at, at, when I signed at the conventions, I, beautiful women, you know, and, and men hit on me, you know, and which th- that's a, that's a compliment. I don't go that way, but I appreciate, I appreciate the love, but, you know, I have beautiful women that, that approach me often and, you know, you have to make a choice and it's something that, you know, I learned, like I said, early on that this is not the right thing to do. And, you know, and, and sure people are tempting, but my, my wedding band means a lot more to me than, you know what I'm saying? Than a, a quick run in the hay, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think having all those experiences of being able to see, okay, this is exactly what could go wrong if I decide to get into this route, or if I decide to, you know, if I'm in a relationship and decide to look around, do you think having all those examples were what kept you anchored and like, I'm going to stay in my values, I'm going to stay in this? Absolutely. Or do you think if you would have had a different experience where you weren't allowed to see all that, that you maybe would have explored that more? Absolutely. I think so at a young age, you know, I grew up in a, a predominantly black town. I was one of the only white kids, not only, not only the only one of the only white kids, but the only white Jewish kid. So, you know, it was, I saw a lot. Um, my parents, like I said, were divorced. My mom and I lived in Uniondale, New York, which if you know the Nassau Coliseum, town of the Nassau Coliseum, but you know, it's, it's a lower to mid-class town. And my father lived in a place called Dix Hills, which was upper class, very rich, very wealthy area. And, you know, like with, with where I grew up, you know, first of all, there were drugs in both places and there were, there were things going on both areas. It's just how much you're going to spend, you know what I mean? On, on what it is, it's the same drugs. It's just, you know, different areas. But for me, you know, being where I came from, seeing what was happening in the streets, seeing the, um, the, the things that were going down, you know, I think that that was a big eye opener because it's, it happened in the rich areas too, except 
it was, you know what I mean? It was done differently. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was not as, you know, when you're talking about you coming from the hood, you're coming from the hood. You know what I mean? You see things in, in, uh, in a richer area, wealthier area. They're there. You're just not seeing it as much. Am I making sense? I hope I'm making sense. So I had the opportunity to see these things that helped shape things, but that's obviously before my twenties, you know, getting into, to a little bit older, we started driving, we started getting around and, you, you know, watching friends of yours die in car accidents from drinking and driving, watching people get shot doing drug deals, seeing this thing firsthand, it changes you it, for better or for worse. You know, some people are like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. That can't happen to me. But for my, for me personally, I said, you know what? I don't think that's right for me. I don't think that's the way I, the, the path I want to take. And, uh, and, you know, going into college, when I tell you a lot of these girls that I was sleeping with and, and so forth, a lot of them, I found, you know, they got into drugs and whatever. I cut it. I cut them off. I didn't want to be around that. So I said, well, if you're going to do this, then I'm not going to be involved with you. And, you know, and, and some of them stopped. Um, and then others were like, well, you're lost. And I was like, I don't know about that. I think it's the other way around. But, um, but that being said, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that you see things, you learn things, and then, you know, getting just a step further, you know, going, like I said, out on the road with music and then with pro wrestling and, you know, acting and, and this and that, all the stuff that I do, you know, you see the, the troubles that people have with substance abuse, especially substance abuse, cheating, cheating on, on their significant others, men and women. It's just... It's not a world that I want to be a part of. I, I'd rather be, you know, like an innocent bystander and, and I can still have friends and be around these people, but I don't have to involve myself. And I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you do so much. I was looking at your bio. I was like, he does a bit of everything. <laughs> like there's so much in there. I love to know, like, what was the start of that? Like, what was the start of you like going into the entertainment industry and like, how did that all come about? So I started when I was five. My mom had, I guess she felt that I could be a, I was a cute kid. She, she probably thought that I was going to be, you know, a, a star. And, and she was like, all right, I'm going to take him into the city and we're going to do, cause we're right outside of New York city for about 45 minutes, you know, on a good day, three hours on a bad day. She figured, all right, well, I'll take him to the city and we'll, we'll get him a, an agent and we'll do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And she, her tenacity brought me in and I didn't even know until le- literally recently that I had a, a, a couple of agents when I was five. I had more agents when I was five than I do now. <laughs> but she took me in. I, I did. I remember the earliest auditions I remember were for like Rice Krispies, for A1 uh, steak sauce, and maybe a couple of other things that, I, that are like a little iffy in my head. But five years old, you're talking 41 years ago. It's a long time. But I also did Sesame Street. So Sesame Street and Romper Room were my two my two uh, first breaks. I did. Um, I was of course, the child actor on them. So it wasn't like I was doing anything super crazy, but I was on the shows and uh, I had my interactions with, you know, all the big characters. I did scenes with with Big Bird, Carol Spinney, who I later on in, in my career, I reconnected with at some of the conventions. And before he died, you know, we had some time together, which was great. And, you know, and Maria and like some of the iconic characters from the show. So great, great memories. That started the the spark. Then I... My parents, like I said, as uh, you know, since they were divorced, my my father uh, would tell my mother like on certain days because my father would have me on on certain days throughout the week. So she, he would he would tell her, 
all right, well, you know, you can't, you can't book anything on that day or you can't take him on that day because, you know, that's my day to see him and, and blah, 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 whatever it is. And so eventually my mother just said, okay, whatever. And she gave up on it. And, you know, and that was that for that at that point. But I then found a new love in comic books and art now, which also eventually came full circle because as you may or may not know, I'm the celebrity spokesperson for the Stan Lee Foundation and I have a comic book. I own a comic book company. I'm also a comic book character and animated character and all that jazz. But, you know, so that that came full circle. But that was my, you know, that's the first thing I I really truly loved in in entertainment. I wanted to be, you know, an artist at the beginning. And then uh, I, I wound up coming across drumming and, uh, you know, in school, you know, listen, we all went through it. Everybody got the, the little, not the clarinet, not a clarinet. It's a uh, recorder, a little recorder, you know, and then once yeah. you do the recorder, then you go to, everybody's got to do the violin, right? So, he's, you know, you never sound good. Never, it doesn't matter who you are. You don't sound good. Even if you're a virtuoso now, you were bad when you were a kid. Went through that. And after orchestra was done, they gave us the opportunity to play an actual instrument other than violin. And I fell in love with the drums. I was like, I want to do that. And then I, you know, that really pushed me to really say, you know, I want to do this. And um, in terms of, of uh, drumming in general and music, that's when I was like, you know, when I, I saw uh, Tommy Lee from Motley Crue, you know, and a couple of others, but Tommy was, was really the guy that was, I, I looked at him, I said, I want to be him. I want to do that. And, you know, from then on in, that's when I, I said, I'm going to be an entertainer. And here I am. So uh, that was my, my start. I know it's a little long-winded, but it says a lot. Wow. And like being an entertainer, like you have to think differently because you probably get a lot of no's. It's probably not all easy. You have to go to a lot of auditions, kind of a whole different, I feel like mindset that you have to adopt in order to be an entertainer and deal with what happens and oh, yeah. getting a no and, you know, Thanks, getting yeah. a all of the, you know, roller coasters that happen. What do you think helped you with that mindset? Have you always had that mindset of I can be an entertainer, I can be a performer, I can be whatever I want to be? Or is this something you cultivated? Or how was all that for you? I'm the kind of guy that has always been person who says, if I want to do this, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm perfectly comfortable getting up in front of many people and I'm perfectly comfortable sitting down on a one-to-one. You know what I mean? Like there's there's nothing I'm uncomfortable doing. Um, well, some things, of course, you know, in public. But, you know, other than that, you know, like I'm comfortable being out there and, you know, and, and putting myself out there. If people, listen, there's plenty of people who don't like me. And that's okay. And honestly, sometimes the people that don't like me are your biggest fans. Because they're the ones that are sitting looking up everything you're doing and talking smack about you. Well, all you're doing is putting more eyes on me, you moron. Just, you know, like, <laughs> do your thing, bro. Do it. Do it. Do your thing. If you spent more time worrying about yourself than worrying about what I'm doing, maybe you'd be successful in doing things as well. But that being said, I, I never let no be the final answer. For instance, I mean, the Grindhouse Radio, that started from people not even saying no, that it was just cricket. I had wanted to do some kind of a radio show, and I had contacted all the local radio stations, which I'm friendly with a lot of the people that are there, the DJs, as well as some of the people that are a little higher up. And, you know, I'd done plenty of interviews on, on their networks before over the years. And, um, you know, I had said, I contacted them and said, Hey, look, I, I have an interest in maybe doing a show. I don't know what to do yet, but I have an idea. You know, what do you think about, you know, having a conversation and crickets, man, I heard crickets, nothing, not even a, Oh, Brim, you know, we don't have space or we can't nothing. I heard 
absolutely no response. So then I dabbled a little bit. I was looking into like some um, internet radio and the internet radio, just people I was talking to, even though um, they were okay guys, they was very slimy, you know? So I was better off not getting into bed with them because I didn't want to get fleas. That being said, uh, I wound up, uh, I had ideas. I, I had done the the Grindhouse Radio. I bought the uh, thegrindhouseradio.com. I started, you know, designing some things here and there. And uh, and then I kind of put it to bed for a little while because I had nothing to, you know, what, what else was I going to do if I didn't have a place to put it and more people to do it with? I, I said, you know, let's just, I'll put it on hold. I'll own the IP and whatever it is, it is. So then I, I had a couple of um, interns that that came in. And well, they had a little bit of a history in, in broadcasting. You know, one had been to uh, a couple of different colleges and, uh, you know, had experience in it. Kim Dragna, who is, is one of my co-hosts on the Grindhouse Radio now. She, you know, again, they started as interns, you know, but she she done broadcasting over at uh, Farmingdale College. So she studied that. So one day, I mean, we had such great banter in the office and I'm like, would you guys be interested in maybe doing a show? So they were like, Sure, we could we could try it out, and everybody was a little skeptical about it. And after hours, one day we we came in. There was one mic, the little laptop sitting there on on a desk in an empty uh, office after hours uh, at my old company, Hound Comics Inc. And craziness, we were on a main road, so you know, and we had a storefront as well. So you heard the cars whizzing by outside. We had no no soundproof like we have now. But we did an hour together, and we as soon as we turned it off, we we finished that episode. The three of us kind of looked at each other and were like, wow, okay, we have something here. And uh, we took it, and and that's when the Grindhouse Radio was really born. So regardless of me having the name, it didn't happen. It wasn't it wasn't really a thing until we sat down and made it a thing. Um, and then, you know, shortly after that, we, we had uh, Tom, uh, you know, who also started as an intern with us and now is one of my partners as well. And what do you call it? You know, we are now where, where the radio, the radio stations didn't give me, uh, you know, a blink of an eye. Right now we won the last four years, best radio station on Long Island, where we live. We have between three and a half to 4 million listeners weekly worldwide. We've won a tremendous amount of, of different awards. Matter of fact, we just found out you're the first person I'm mentioning it on. We just uh, won the NYX uh, Marcom award and for and the Vega digital award. So the 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 Marcom Award is um, is for best series and oh, I'm sorry the Vega Award is for best podcast series and then the NYX is for entertainment in general so uh, and digital entertainment so that I mean that's huge so mm. had had they listened to me and they given me a shot then they would have had some of those accolades right yeah. but since you didn't we had to do it on our own and we did it and we did it better so that just saying. Now, I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm saying they should have given it the shot, right? Yeah. yeah. So hope I answered your question. Yeah. And what do you think it was about like talking with your interns and you're like, I need to restart this idea. Like this idea should happen right now. What do you think it was about them? The banter, man, the banter. You know, I over the years, I've done thousands of interviews on different radio stations, television networks, uh, big ones, small ones, middle size, you name it, I've done it, different languages. And- it, it all comes down to, you can tell when there's magic in the room. You can tell. And we had such good chemistry. Like, I got I to say, you know, like, you know, the, the, one, the one member who's not currently with us, and we don't know if he's coming back. He's, he's going through some stuff. So he's taking a break. He was, he, we have chemistry. But, but I got to say that uh, 
you know, Kim and I have tremendous chemistry on air and we had tremendous chemistry in the office. We're able to work off each other. You can, you can joke with each other, you know, where, where, you know, where, where the lines are and you still can cross those lines with, with, with having a respect and a mutual respect for each other and, and enjoying each other's company. And we speak well off of each other. Things kind of bounce off and it, and it sounds natural. And, and that has always been the case. We never struggled with that. It's like when you have a good interview and you're going back and forth and, and it's a good, and you know, the chemistry is there. And then you do another interview and they're, they're like, all right, dry eyes. You know what I mean? And it's so boring. Why am I bothering doing this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, and then, and Greer, it's the same thing. We all have the different personalities and we all mesh well together. So, you know, that's, that's when I said, you know, these, these people are the right, the right people to kind of work with. But again, it's not just me. They had to have made that right decision to move forward and do it. If one of them said, no, this might not have been a thing. You never know. Uh, but here we are six, almost seven years later. And, you know, it's just, you know, we're, we're, we're playing hard and, and uh, we're at the top of our game and we're continuing to grow. And that's all that matters. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care how long I've been in the industry, how much I know. Uh, you can always continue to learn and, and uh, you can always continue to grow. And the, the cool thing about it is, again, they're, you know, they're not half my age, but they're younger than I am. So, you know, they offer a different element that, I, you know what I mean, where I have, I'm, I'm older, I have different wisdom and I have different experiences. They're younger and they have their own experiences and so forth, but they have a younger view. So between the two, we try to mesh it, you know, where it's it's nicely put together and you get a nice blend of both. And honestly, if it weren't for them, we would have never went the podcast route because I, you know, even though I was podcast friendly and I loved podcasting as a guest, I never thought of doing a podcast as a podcast, like uh, doing a podcast is, you know, it's like, all right, well, that sounds cool, you know, but it's not radio, you know, because it's old man set, you know, old man mindset. You're thinking, oh, well, it's not radio, but then you realize podcasting is bigger than radio. You know, I have more people listening to us, you know, worldwide on, on, uh, via podcast than, you know, people do on AMFM, you know, it's local. So anyway, that's, that's the reasoning behind that. You can, I can honestly say that the shit show of, of Kim Adragna was brimstone. <laughs> the shit show of her twenties is, is being with me. What do you call it? I, I broke her. I broke her. She was so innocent when we got her and not, not so much. So, uh, she'll probably yell at me from the other room. <laughs> And that, that chemistry, do you think that's something you can create over time or do you think that's something that just is immediate? Yes, you can create things over time, but more so, you know, you, you know, when you've been around as long as I have and you are talking to somebody, you know, if there's going to be chemistry there or not. And maybe the first one or two, look, if you're, you're sitting down with like a potential partner like for a podcast or a show or whatever it is, and you do the first show and it's like lackluster and the second one is okay. The chemistry could potentially get better, but it's not the same as when you go on the first time around and can just work off each other and the comfort level is there. I do another show called, you know, brand new called the Dirty Little Secrets Club, which is not on the Grindhouse Network where, you know, it's uh, somebody who actually interviewed me in the past and uh, her name's Dana Pereira and, and fantastic. She's on the East Coast, I'm on the East Coast. And, and the two of us, we had great chemistry when I was on the show. So when we said, hey, you want to do a show together? Yeah, let's do it. And the chemistry is there and people are enjoying it and starting to pick up steam. So it, 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 yeah, it's very important. You need to know because otherwise 
it's not going to be fun for anybody, especially the listener. If I'm, if, if, even if you have one person that's up real, real like me, I'm up, I'm always up, you know, and then you have your person who's down, you know, I can bring that down person up, the down person can bring me down a little bit and we can kind of meet in the middle. But if the chemistry is there, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. If not, then there's no reason to be doing it whatsoever because you're just going to, everybody's going to be able to tell. Hope that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious if you were to like start over all over again today with like your career in entertainment and wrestling, let's say you didn't go that route and you went some other route. And today you decided I'm going to go do entertainment. I'm going to do wrestling. I'm going to do comic books. What would you do differently? Or what would you start doing today if you were to start all over? The one thing that I regret with things I've done in the past are the people that I've worked with. I was always very open, open armed and welcoming to everyone. And I always, I'm, I'm unapologetically authentic. You know what I mean? I'm, I am me and that's it. And, and I try to help people and I always try to pay it forward. And I've given too many people the opportunity to kind of jump, even not, not necessarily on the coattails, but to have their own kind of direction along with me. And there are a couple of people over the years who have taken advantage and not only taken advantage of that, have stomped all over it and done me wrong. So I would probably pick different people to work with, or I would pick, you know, I'd be just a little more stringent on uh, who I was dealing with. I got lucky, you know, this time around with, with Grindhouse and, you know, I got the right people, but they also were working with me beforehand. So I knew them for a while before we even gotten to, to, you know, started working with each other in terms of the show. But other than that, everything else the same. I, I am proud of everything that I've accomplished. And you know what, all the failures that I've had, which there, there are plenty of failures, you know, and it's not even necessarily things that I've done. It's things that other, other people have done and uh, everything affects what you do. It just affects people differently. So for me, I always consider uh, failures as a, uh, uh, you know, a fantastic thing because What they do is they create the seeds for success. You cannot have success without your failures. You, you, You can be moving forward. You have something go wrong. Then what happens is you have a choice, right? Like those old choose your adventure books, you know, you can either stop and run away and put your head in the the, the ground like an ostrich, or you can take two steps back, learn from the mistake, have that knowledge and move forward 10 steps. You know what I mean? Or three giant leaps. There's different ways to, for people to, to do it. And having the right mindset is what helped me kind of move forward and, and do the things where saying, okay, I took a, I took a lump. I took a beating here. I did this wrong. I see what I did. And now I'm going to make this change and I'm going to move forward and do this. And there you go. It was a success. Then I might make another two success, uh, successful decisions. And then you have another failure and you take a step back and you go, all right, what did I do wrong? What can I learn from this? Now you try to take that 10 steps forward again. And that's, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything, Sophia. That, that, mm-hmm. that's, I like, I like the path I've taken. And what's something fundamentally you think you did at the beginning that other people should do and apply to their careers? It doesn't have to just rely on entertainment, but something that you think you did really well at the beginning. Always consider whatever you're doing as a business. Entertainers are entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs should be entertaining and say that all the time. And the the fact is, is that, you know, if you think of it as a business, if you're thinking of it as a hobby, all right, or as a a side thing or side hustle, 
it will never become your full-time hustle. Stop thinking of it as a, as a joke. Start thinking of everything as a business. Start thinking of yourself as a brand and you will move forward guaranteed as long as you put your work and hard work effort into it. If you don't put the hard work and effort into it, it's not going to happen. So like you can, you can fool yourself and, and say it's going to happen, but if you're not working hard, it's not going to happen. So consider it a business, work twice as hard as everybody else. Somebody's given 100%, do 200%. I always say it to everybody, be better. That's it. Be better. You know, aspire to inspire other people. That's just my whole outlook on things. And I'm curious to go back to like when they came to you and they started off as interns. And now you said like one of them's part of like managing a partner in your company. What do you think they did specifically or what did you really love about them that helped you move them up in the company? What do you think is something that they did that really made them stand out? One, the first and foremost, the chemistry on air and being able to, t- to carry that chemistry on air off into the real world, being professional while, you know, away from the office, being able to come with me and be at events with other celebrities and, and I'm signing and they're there and they know how to present themselves and handle themselves without being fanboy or fangirls and, and respecting the industry and, and learning, listening when I, when I have wisdom to give and work. You got to have work ethic, you know, that's it. Um, and if you don't have work ethic, I'm going to call you out on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I will call you out on it. And it might be uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, you know, like, it is what it is. We'll work through it. And that's that. So you have to have thick skin. Thick skin for anything. In, anything nowadays you have to have thick skin for. You got to walk out of the house and have thick skin with everybody throwing things back and forth at each other, you know, with, uh, you know, from, from you know, anything politics to, to whatever, which is why I don't talk politics. But it's, it's just very important to have work ethic, thick skin, and just do, just be better. Hope I'm making sense. Mm-hmm. And how do you like navigate with them the lines between your friendship and being the boss? Well, put it this way. I mean, I, I always hate the fact, a lot of people, a lot of people say I'm the boss. I'm not the boss. We're all equal partners. I am the leader. And, and I, I've, I accept that role. Everybody accepts that role. It's kind of like in the uh, the View Skewed universe, you know, you've got Kevin Smith and Kevin Smith is is the main guy and everybody else is a very big reason that that Kevin that Kevin is successful and they're all individual entertainers and they all have their own individual brands as well, but Kevin is the one who you know kind of helps to make certain things happen and and that would be my position. In terms of in terms of being a leader, sure, you know, it, I, I I am a leader and I wear that proudly as a boss. I'm not their boss. They're my partners. And on the friend side, you just have to, you have to navigate the waters. It's it's difficult. See, if we were friends before we got into this, it would not have worked out. It would not have worked out if we were friends when we kind of got into this. When we first started, I was their boss, the other business. But this business is, we're we're all in the same, uh, we're all equal shareholders, so to speak. So now- being that we've worked with each other for six, almost seven years, we've toured the world together. We've done these conventions. They've experienced things with me that they hadn't experienced before. We get each other. And one thing that I always tell people that, that wind up working with me is, listen, you know, especially somebody who's going to be in the public eye, which they are. And I, I say, look, there are certain things that you're going to do and you're going to experience that other people are not going to understand because that's not their reality. This is your reality. And 
somebody who's working in a nine to five type of situation, not that, that there's anything wrong with that because there's not, but somebody working in a nine to five situation is not going to understand what it is to be in entertainment, being an entrepreneur, the time and effort that goes into it, the people that you're around, the things that you do, the, the things that you see, they're not going to be able to relate. And it's going to be very difficult having those conversations with people that are outside of the industry doing things that they don't, that you do that, that, that they don't do. So they're not going to understand. And after a while, they were like, you know what? You're right. Like, you know, think it, people just, you know, I, I'm just finding myself talking about what we did last week and people looking at me like I have four heads and, you know, and, and it's true. Like, you know, all right, well, you know, this week I was out, you know, not this week, but uh, well, here this week, you know, we had one of my Power Ranger friends was in the studio with another big YouTuber and uh, who also came to the studio. And then what do you call We had Crazy Bone from Bone Thugs and Harmony was on, on the show all at once. That just doesn't just happen. You know, and now these happen to be some older players, but, you know, we have plenty of people that are current that come on or that when we're out at conventions or, you know, jumping on the IMDB boat at San Diego Comic-Con or signing at San Diego or New York or whatever, you're with all the mega names and everybody knows you by first name basis, it's the, the regular person can't fathom that. They can't, they can't, they can't compute. And we're not, well, I, at least I'm not, when I talk about this stuff and when I, I mention names, it's not to name drop. It's just that that's my reality. <laughs> that's, that's my reality. So sometimes people will, will take it as a, this is very uh, interesting and, and wow, that's, that's really cool. And other people take it as a, oh, well, you're showing off. And that's why people don't understand. You know, it's just like if you said, all right, you know, as Sophia, well, I'm going and hanging out with, with uh, Sarah and, and Harry. And uh, we went out to, to dinner. Well, I went out with Norman Reedus and, and Michael Rooker. And we went to, to Fogo to show and we were sitting and having a great time. And this person comes in and, we, you know, that's, that was my dinner, you know? So like, should I not, you, you see what I mean? Yeah. But so that them being able to handle that and, and, and understand that and, and work with that was a, also a good, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have wanted a partner with people that couldn't, couldn't handle that. And they've done well. So here we are. And, you know, everybody's doing a, a very good job and just growing, man. So uh, again, I hope I answered the question. I can yeah. go off on tangents, obviously. <laughs> Yeah. And how, how did you prepare them for that? For like, Hey, you're going to be in the public eye. It's going to be completely different. You're going to be watched. If you do anything, you know, like this, it's going to be put all over the news. Like how do you oh, prepare yeah. someone for that sort of it's, life? It, you know what? It's just, it's training just like anything else, just having conversations, making sure people understand that, you know, this is how this works. This is how that works. This is the, the, the right way to do things. This is the wrong way to do things. Should you be involved in X, Y, and Z? Should you not? Like, so it's just, just knowing what's there. Anybody that's been in the industry for long enough and does all these different things, uh, teaching you how to, teaching just the simple things of, of how, to, how to handle and how to walk a red carpet. It's an art. People might not realize it. It's an art. There's a, there's a right way to go. There's a right way to go on. There's a, a right way to go off. There is no crossing. There's what do you call it? There's a, a proper way to handle the media. You know, it's so you have to, you have to know it. Somebody who doesn't know it can't teach it. So I, and then again, I can talk until I'm blue in the face until you actually experience it yourself. You'll never get it. Um, and now they, they get it and they've done it and they learned. And so not only did they do it, you know, did they learn with, with the conversation, but they also learned with actually doing it. And it is what it is, you know, like, uh, 
you know, you, you live and you learn. And it, that's such a true statement, such a true statement. Yeah, that's about it. And are you ever worried about saying something to the media or saying something and it'd be spun in like a completely different light than what you intended it to be? Anything I say can be spun in any which direction. Depends on how you cut it. You know what I mean? Like a perfect example. And so Carol Baskin, you familiar with who Carol Baskin is? No. Okay. She's, she's one of the big, big players from Tiger King, from Netflix's Tiger King. And the way she's painted, you know, in the media is, and especially from the show, she's the bad guy. Really, she's really, she's the bad guy on that show. We had her on the show. She's absolute, she was an absolute doll and sweetheart to deal with. And, but what she does, everything that she, every interview she does, she records the whole interview as well. So this way, nobody can say she said X, Y, or Z, you know, or flip it around because then she could show the actual tape. And say, hey, look, this is what was actually said. So, you know, she's smart. She's smart with that. Uh, with me, look, I'd like to trust that people are going to put it out there the right way. And if they don't, it is what it is. Then it's your word against mine. And am I going to sit and argue with you? Who knows? What are you going to say to make me look bad? Hopefully nothing too crazy. You know? <laughs> but, but there's plenty of haters out there. Right? If I paid attention to all the haters, I'd never get any work done. When you have haters, that's when you know that you're doing something good. You've already succeeded. So that's... Yeah. Slander comes with the territory. People are going to talk smack. You can't make 100% of the people happy 100% of the time. It's never going to work. People are just people. And that's about it. And you, you do so much. How are you able to balance so many different like businesses, so many different roles? How are you able to do that all? I have an awesome wife. And she, she along with myself, like I have a very, uh, she has she's made me into a calendar person. I wasn't ever a calendar person schedule person now i'm a diligent calendar person especially the more stuff that i wind up doing like if i don't it looks like one of the old switchboards like everything lighting up all over the place that's what my schedule looks like on a normal basis so like you know and and she has a a calendar that not only has my schedule but it also is the family schedule so she oversees everything and makes sure that everything's working like a well-oiled machine, which I always, uh, I don't give her enough credit for, but she, she knows, she knows I know. And again, scheduling is nine tenths of the, the deal, keeping a good schedule because I could schedule all the best stuff in the world and then you never show up to it. What, you know what I mean? <laughs> You're done. So I'm, I'm very on my schedule and that's that. That's one of the keys to success is to be able to navigate and schedule your, yourself properly. Am I perfect? No. Nobody is. I've plenty of times double booked myself for something. And then I have to figure out what to do, which is good because then that helps me with problem solving. And uh, what, did, what did Vanilla Ice say? If you have a problem, you'll all solve it. I'm, I'm, I'm Vanilla Ice in that sense. I'll solve it. You know, I'll make it work. And I like, I like having a problem here and there where I can kind of make my brain work and I'm not on oil, autopilot. So, but I try to, everything's very, very, you know, on point. Mm. And how'd you meet your wife? Funny story is I'm the shit show of her twenties. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she, uh, she had been, she was friends with one of my former students and she had been in from school. She'd been in from college and she went with him down to when she came in, she came down to the wrestling school because she was interested in wrestling and she wanted to be a wrestler. And when I saw her, I was already out with my, my ex. Uh, we were separated, but we were still living together but i i saw i saw when she came in you know we had spoken a bunch of times and it's funny because when we spoke she she said you know on the phone she said wait you know 
who are you on the site? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm Brimstone. And she goes, oh, you're hot. Wait, what? You know, <laughs> so I was like, oh, really? Thank you. And then she came in with my student and, uh, and I saw her, I, 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 you know, you ever hear of that, that love at first sight thing? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was, I, I said, yes, this is her. And I literally slid out of the ring. I said, hello. And I was creepy as hell, I'm sure. I lifted her up, put her on my lap and she sat there the entire time. I didn't even teach. I had somebody else teach. And so we had great conversation and she told my friend that I was creepy afterwards, but then she wanted to see me right away. And, you know, almost 20 years later, we're married with our children and you know, <laughs> so it worked, but, you know, I threw all of my, all of my game out the window on that one. That was, yeah, but, but, you know, it was, it was uh, during a, a very interesting time in my life. And what do you, and I told my ex, you know, I said, you know, I met somebody and blah, blah, blah. We were, we weren't together anymore. We were already done. Uh, we were just, we were living with each other. And, you know, so she knew it and difficult because she was upstate, you know, going to school for, for a while, you know? And so at the very beginning, it was difficult, you know, um, and I was going through some stuff and things. So it was, it was, we got through all that. And, and again, I'm, I'm thrilled. I love my wife to death and, and she's the best. And, you know, uh, and I'm not, that's why, like I told you, had I not had all those experiences with all those other people and, and done those other things, I wouldn't know what I want. I wouldn't know that how I, how I am happy. You, you learn like my ex, uh, you know, I was, I learned a lot from marrying my ex and I learned all the mistakes and I was able to fix those with my, my current life. You know, Danielle is, is my life. So while well, my kids are my life and so is my wife. Yeah. So that's how we met. And it was very interesting, very interesting. So I was creepy and I, and I said, oh, so I was creepy, huh? She's like, hey, you're still hot. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was, I was good looking then. What can I tell you? I was. Now I'm ugly and old and I say it. I'm sorry every day to her. I said, I'm sorry I'm old and I gained too much weight and, and I'm, I'm ugly now. She goes, you're not, you're not ugly. You did gain the weight though, but you can lose it. Thanks, babe. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, anyway. What was it about her that you were like, I know she's going to be my wife? The, the, her big, big doe eyes and uh, big smile, uh, just everything. I, you know, it was just something about her that just sparked my, you know, all my senses. And I just, uh, you know, everything from, you know, her skin to her smell to the, you know, to the touch, everything. And then, and, and the two of us had intelligent conversations, unlike myself and my ex-wife, my ex-wife, to be honest. And, and she's, a, I have no problems with her now. I married her because, you know, we got pregnant. We might not have been married if, if that wasn't the case. And she's a nice girl, you know what I mean? And, and she's, she's uh, with, with another gentleman now, finally, she's with a nice guy and I'm happy about that. But, you know, we've had custody of my kids the, the whole time. So there's a reason for that. And my wife has been mom for all these years and she's taking care of the kids like they're her own. So we have three, two are, are with my ex that you know, we have custody of. And the other one is Haley was our little one, which is ours. But when you, when you are with somebody and you know, you're, you're just not happy and you, but you see the reasons why you're not happy. You learn the older you get, the more experience you have. So when you have no experience, you can't, you can't honestly say, oh, I'm happy. I'm with this person. I'm not, you know, it's the same thing with a business or a career, anything you do, you can't say, oh, I'm thrilled or I'm going to marry this. So if it's, so if you, you marry somebody who you went to high school with and they're your high school sweetheart, chances are you may be, you might be happy for the rest of your life. But come on, there's no experience. You're going to tell me that you, know, you were exposed to such a small circle of people. 
you know, so maybe this person was that person in that small circle of people, but now your circle just got a lot wider and a lot larger. And now there's little things that, that, you know, you see and, oh, wow, look at this, this person, you know, she just, she wears a little bit more makeup and her hair's just a little bit longer and, and it's got this nice look to it. And this one's got a really great shape and this one's just a real doll. And she reminds me of, you know, the, then, then what? Because now you're exposed to everything. So what I say is when you're younger, get get that all out of your system meet the people decide later on don't you know if if it happens and the right person comes along and and, and it clicks just like i said you'll know when it clicks and it works then you can make then you should make your moves but until you have that experience you shouldn't be jumping into these anything you know what i mean you mm-hmm. should you should live and you should learn and i'm not preaching i'm just saying like if you want to really be happy you want to know your likes even if it's and and even if it's just in terms of relationship wise in terms of the bedroom in terms of attitudes there's a lot that goes into it which is which is one reason you know i got i got out of music because i i was sick of being in a five way marriage it's hard enough to be married to one person picture being on the road with four other people with all different views and ideas and ideals and beliefs so like i really know when i tell you like i learned a lot I learned a lot from those experiences. And even though it was not a sexual experience with the guys in my bands, it was also learning and dealing with different attitudes and different beliefs. And You know what I'm saying? To make it where I know the type of person that I want to be with and the people that I want to be around. Am I making sense? Am I being yeah. clear about that? So yeah. I, I hope I'm tying into everything that you need me to tie into. <laughs> yeah. And what's something right now that you're really excited about? Oh, man. Um, there's a bunch of different projects that I've got going on in the voice world, doing voiceover stuff for that I cannot mention right now. Um, we had just had a couple of recent ones pop. I am doing a project with my son that is going to be on a major streaming service that I cannot. I'm under NDA. I cannot say what it is, but I will be announcing it shortly. So I can tell you that something good is coming, something big is coming, and it's going to be delicious. So my son and I are going to be doing that. My Actually, my little one is going to be doing some voiceover work on one of the video games I'm doing with me. So that's going to be fun. We're going to get to work together too. She's also going to be doing something on the other show that I'm working on. I've got stuff going on with a couple of my partners also with from GHR. Nothing that we can talk about yet, but you know, there's some really cool things going on. NDAs are a beautiful thing and they're a miserable thing. So, you know, we can't, we, we can say we've got stuff happening, but you can only just say so much. Aside from that, you know, I'm doing a bunch of different shows, you know, the Grindhouse Radio every single week, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard, uh, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, that's where you'll find us. So do Truly Inconsequential with Tom, Mr. Greer from, from Grindhouse. We do um, this, this really fun show where we pick two characters from pop culture history and decide, you know, how consequential they really are. You know what I mean? To the story of the show that they were on. And that's been very successful. That's a lot of fun. I've also doing, I'm also doing uh, Within Brim Skin, which comes out on Tuesdays, which is my rant show. And then also we do, um, I do another show that's not Grindhouse related with another, um, another host, Dana Pereira uh, from uh, That Trophy Wife Life. And we do Dirty Little Secrets Club which is a lot of fun. So we do, we get a little more risque on that one. We have a little bit more fun on that one in terms of on the, the sexy side, you know, when, when we get those responses, you know, nothing too crazy, but it's different. It's a different animal. GHR is, you know, wholesome fun. You know what I mean? We have a good time 
and you get those the chemistry and the character. We're talking pop culture and yada yada yada. That's different. That's a different animal, which is why it's a separate thing from GHR because you know you got to keep certain things separate. But I love the project nonetheless, and and Dan is a great co-host on that. I'm lucky I have two gorgeous you know co-hosts. For both of my shows, Kim is gorgeous on, on GHR. Dana's gorgeous on, on Dirty Little Secrets Club. And they make me look better. And that's awesome. And um, <laughs> they're both just great, just great chemistry. That's the thing is the chemistry. I love working with people that you could just bounce off of. And what's something that you're learning right now? Um, you know, I am always learning. I'm learning, you know, nothing... I hate to say, you know, like nothing specific per se, but, you know, I, I'm always, I'm kind of like a cre- creature of habit where I need to learn a little bit about everything that I'm kind of working on and working in. The, the show that I'm talking about with my son, I'm, I'm learning a lot about certain production, um, you know, and, and things that are going on with that. So, you know, um, I'm doing some research on different things that I can't obviously mention, but I, I it's just learning about, you just, you never stop learning, man. Never stop learning. I don't know about anything new that I learned recently. I learned we won two new, new two new awards. Like I told you earlier, that's what I learned today. Um, but aside from that, I can't give you any def- definitive, like, all right, I'm, I'm learning this. You know, I, I am learning that, you know, here's one thing that I am learning, which is a little, I guess, an interesting little tidbit. So my mother passed away about three years ago and I have, I've had the house, which we were first deciding whether we were going to move into it and sell our house and, do different things. There was a big issue while I was away on tour before pandemic and the house got flooded, destroyed a lot of it. And now I'd been going through everything and my mom was a bit of a hoarder. So I had to go through things and find things and so forth. And finally was able to, we closed on the house on Wednesday. So I finally sold it after, after so many years. But one thing that I learned while going through, because I had to make decisions quick, what am I taking? What am I not taking? And I have learned to be okay with, if, if it does not, you know, was it Marie Kondo? You know, if it does not spark joy, letting it go. And, you know, just, I've been, I've been very, I, I'm not a pack rat, but I, I do have stuff. Um, and I'm learning how to say, let go of things. I'm also learning how to let go of bad situations. One of, one of the people that I trusted very much, you know, in the past, like I said earlier about picking the right people, one person was like a brother to me and, uh, and I took under my wing and so forth. Um, and he did me really, really wrong. But, you know, I, have learned, you know, I'm going to let it go and, and we're going to make amends and you know, we're going to be, I'm going to be the better person. We're going to, and we're going to move forward. Uh, so that was another thing that I'm, I'm learning to kind of let things go. You know what I mean? Whether it be physical or mental or, you know, because all it does is age you and it hurts you and it screws with your juju. So for me, being able to let go has helped me a lot and letting go of that house just for a simple, a simple, you know, thing like that wasn't so simple. But something as simple as that took so much of a weight off of my shoulders that I can't even tell you how much fresher I feel. So anyway, that's that's uh, hopefully that kind of answered that question. <laughs> yeah. And I have one final question for you. Sure. If you were to go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, if you want, you don't have to say anything. You can give him a hug, you can do whatever you want. What would you want to say to him or what would you want to do in that conversation with him? First thing I would say is pick the other girl when you from the table. Okay, that's first and foremost. 
Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I would, I would basically, I would say, you know, right around the time of, of wrestling, when you start picking up steam and you start, you start doing the stuff in the Latin world, stay away from all of the delicious food because that's where you're going to start gaining the weight. And we want to keep that down because otherwise you're going to look like me. Uh, and that would be what I would tell myself. I'd say, you know, be careful of this. And uh, I would also be, tell them, be careful for a couple of these people that were snakes uh, in, in uh, what is it, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing, you know, just to look out for that and to watch your back, man. It's, it is, it is uh, a very, very, very interesting concept about being able to kind of go back and say something to your, your old self. But other than that, you know, I would, I would also probably say spend a little bit more time with your mom, you know, make a little bit more time with her simply because you don't know how long you're actually going to have. And the, the thing I would tell everybody out there is, you know, the people that, that you love, you know, hold them close, hold them dear. And don't forget, you know, we're only here for a short period of time. So, you know, make sure you love, you love each other. And, you know, one other thing that I can say, if you don't mind, is I always like to, to if I can, try to put it out there. Find something that you love. Find something that you're passionate about especially, especially if there's somebody, you know, like in your family or a friend that's suffering from wh whether it's cancer or some kind of a disease that, that needs, that, that it takes a lot of uh, money to, to kind of put into their medical bills and so forth. Find something that you're passionate about and then donate, whether it's a, an hour, a, a day, a week, uh, you know, whatever it is, once a month, just a little bit of time. You don't have to donate money. Just donate a little bit of time to that cause and do something good for somebody else. One, you'll never know how much that means to the people that you're doing it for. Two, you don't know how good you're going to feel after you do it. Do the right thing. Be a good person. Give back. Pay it forward. And, uh, and again, be better. You know what I mean? In this, in this world today, let me tell you, we need, we need good people. We need people that are going to show love and affection and, and just be good to one another. And again, you don't have to spend a cent to help other people out. You can, you can go and you can give a little bit of your time. And yes, time is money. But, you know, what's an hour? What's two hours? You know, and, you know, that, that's what I would, I would, you know, ask people to do. If you take nothing else away from the conversation, please, please give back. You know what I mean? Give back. Help the people that, you know, that, that need it. And again, something you're passionate about. You know what I mean? Even if it's, you know what, you're passionate about music, do something to help raise money or be a part of a charity that raises money for music in schools. You, you know, you're, you're interested in, in, you know, acting, try to find something that is, is going to raise money to help, you know, children or people that are underprivileged get acting classes. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it is, there's something you can do to make the world better. And I'm a firm believer is leave the world better than the way you came into it. So mm -hmm. that's about all I have to say about that. I love that. And thank you so much for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. I had a great time. I hope I wasn't too long-winded. I know I No, I love the stories. I love the I can yap so much, <laughs> Sophia. I can chat so much. You know, and I was trying to be not so nasty with what I was saying, but you asked about the shit show. So I had to give it to you. Yeah, perfect. And where can people connect with you online? Um, you can hit me up on, uh, what do you call all my social media? Uh, therealbrimstone.com is my official website. It's my hub for everything. Um, I am the most, um, active on my Instagram, uh, also at the real brimstone. If you go there, I'm verified, you'll know it's me. It's me talking to you, not my assistant, not my, my secretary, not my wife, not my intern. It's me. 
I am always answering and I always respond to everybody. As long as you're respectful, I will I'll absolutely respond to you. So please engage with me. Um, I, that, is, that is the one thing I always ask for. You can help me tremendously by just sitting and talking. You know what I mean? Uh, hitting me up on all the posts. That's look, that's, that's what you want. That, that's what we do. We're here to entertain. We're here to talk. So let's, you know, have conversations on the, on the posts and let's, uh, let's get to know each other. So that's, that's the, what I'd like. And also please make sure you hit up the grindhouseradio.com and, you know, see if there's something there that you might enjoy. I hope, I hope you do. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes, please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.